Life Audio. Do you sometimes doubt if you're truly hearing God's voice or if it's really your own? Or have you been in a season where it feels like He's completely silent? Have you been praying for a way to learn how to hear His voice more clearly? Hey friends, I'm Rachel, host of the Hearing Jesus Podcast. If you are ready to grow in your faith and to confidently step into your identity in Christ, then join me as we dig deep into God's Word so you can learn to live out your faith in your everyday life. Hey friends, welcome back to the Hearing Jesus Podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Grohl. Today we are in Matthew 27, and actually today and tomorrow we'll be in Matthew 27. We'll do the first half today and the second half tomorrow. And if you've been with us in this series, you know that we are at the very end of the book of Matthew, where we've been looking at the words of Jesus and explaining some of the history and the background and the culture. I want to just prepare you with that. This is a really hard chapter to read through, and most of it is self-explanatory. And I think it's really important for us to really just meditate on the sacrifice that Jesus made for you and me. And so while I do have some commentary, I'm going to encourage you to really just sit with the content from the word itself. I'm not going to say a whole lot. There's a little bit that I will touch base on, but really as we're reading through, I just want you to maybe even just close your eyes and think through this sacrifice that Jesus made for you and for me willingly to be obedient to God, even to the point of death. So I'm in Matthew 27, starting at verse 1. I'm reading from the NASB. It says, Now when morning came, all the chief priests and the elders of the people conferred together against Jesus to put him to death, and they bound him and led him away and handed him over to Pilate the governor. Then when Judas, who had betrayed him, saw that he had been condemned, he felt remorse and returned the thirty pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders, saying, I have sinned by betraying innocent blood. But they said, What is that to us? You shall see to it yourself. And he threw the pieces of silver into the temple sanctuary and left, and he went away and he hanged himself. The chief priest took the pieces of silver and said, It is not lawful to put them in the temple treasury, since it is money paid for blood. And they conferred together, and with the money they bought the potter's field as a burial place for strangers. For this reason, that field has been called the field of blood to this day. Then that which was spoken through Jeremiah the prophet was fulfilled, and they took the thirty pieces of silver, the price of the one whose price had been set by the sons of Israel, and they gave them for the potter's field, just as the Lord directed me. Now Jesus stood before the governor, and the governor questioned him, saying, So you are the king of the Jews? And Jesus said to him, It is as you say. And while he was being accused by the chief priests and elders, he did not offer any answer. Then Pilate said to him, Do you not hear how many things that are testifying against you? And still he did not answer him in regard to even a single charge. So the governor was greatly amazed. Now at the Passover feast, the governor was accustomed to release for the people any one prisoner whom they wanted. And at the time they were holding a notorious prisoner called Barabbas. So when the people gathered together, Pilate said to them, Whom do you want me to release for you, Barabbas or Jesus, who is called the Christ? for he knew that it was because of envy that they had handed him over. And while he was sitting on the judgment seat, his wife sent him a message saying, See that you have nothing to do with that righteous man, for last night I suffered greatly in a dream because of him. But the chief priests and the elders persuaded the crowds to ask for Barabbas and to put Jesus to death. 
And the governor said to them, which of the two do you want me to release for you? And they said, Barabbas. Pilate said to them, then what shall I do with Jesus who is called Christ? They all said, crucify him. But he said, why? What evil has he done? Yet they kept shouting all the more, saying, crucify him. Now when Pilate saw that he was accomplishing nothing, but rather than a riot was starting, he took water and washed his hands in front of the crowd, saying, I am innocent of this man's blood. You yourselves shall see. And all the people replied, his blood shall be on us and on our children. Then he released Barabbas for them. But after having Jesus flogged, he handed him over to be crucified. Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the praetorium and gathered the whole Roman cohort to him. And they stripped him and put a red cloak on him. And after twisting together a crown of thorns, they put it on his head and put a reed in his right hand. And they knelt down before him and mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. And they had spit on him and took the reed and beat him on the head. And after they had mocked him, they took the cloak off of him and put his own garments back on him and led him away to crucify him. As they were coming out, they found a man of Cyrene named Simon, whom they had compelled to carry the cross. And when they came to a place called Golgotha, which means place of a skull, they gave him wine mixed with bile to drink, and after tasting it, he was unwilling to drink it. And when they had crucified him, they divided his garments among themselves by casting lots. And sitting down, they began to keep watch over him there, and above his head, they put up the charge against him, which read, This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. At that time, two rebels were being crucified with him, one on the right and one on the left. And those passing by were speaking abusively to him, shaking their heads and saying, You who are going to destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself. If you are the Son of God, come down from the cross. In the same way, the chief priests also, along with the scribes and the elders, were mocking him, saying, He saved others he cannot save himself. He is the King of Israel. Let him now come down from the cross, and we will believe in him. He is trusted in God. Let God rescue him now, if he takes pleasure in him. For he said, I am the Son of God. And the rebels who had been crucified with him were also insulting him in the same way. It's hard to read some of that, and we're going to continue reading the rest tomorrow. But there's a couple things I want to point out as we are considering all the things that Jesus did willingly for you and for me. So the leaders at this point, the beginning of this scene, are having an early morning meeting to make official the decision they had made the night before. Because remember, it was only legal to have a hearing in daylight. And they had made that decision in an illegal meeting the night before. So they're having this early morning meeting to make everything legal, what they had decided the day before. And this meeting was most likely in the Sanhedrin's regular meeting place, which was near the temple. And the authorities would have had to bring Jesus to Pilate because they were not able to just execute on their own decision. The Romans had not given them that ability or that power. So they would have to bring Pilate into this. And Pilate would be available almost as early as sunrise because like the other Roman officials, they only worked until about noon. So what we see next is the fact that Judas is now regretful and he recants his testimony. But even in that situation, even when a false witness came forward, they did not change the verdict. Now, what should have happened is if a witness recanted their testimony, it should have thrown out the verdict, but they didn't really care. At this point, they weren't even really caring about the law because they themselves had just bribed someone the night before to betray Jesus. So clearly the law is of their priority. And so what we see from Judas is he's at this place of despair. He realizes what he has done. 
he realizes that Jesus was innocent. And he says, you know, what? this money, this 30 pieces of silver, it's not worth it. And because they don't change their mind, he, out of despair, commits the act of suicide. Now, the Roman tradition at that time frame considered suicide a noble way to die, more so than letting somebody else kill you. But the Jewish people didn't necessarily think of it that way. The Jewish people thought that it was basically evil. And especially in this area of Palestine, where it was very strictly Jewish, they would have seen that as a coward's way out. And and it was just an evil act to do. And so the ancient readers that Matthew would have been writing to when he wrote his gospel, they would have seen the suicide in a more negative light than they would have viewed some of the other crimes that other people would have committed. And so especially with hanging, hanging was a very dishonorable form of suicide. So not only was suicide looked down upon, it was seen as evil, but hanging was so dishonorable. So in some ways, Judas knew that as a Jew, he knew how that would have been seen. And it was an indication of how terrible he felt about what he had done. The other thing that I think is ironic in this part of the passage is the fact that these religious leaders are so concerned about the blood money in the treasury of the temple. They want to get it out and they don't want to use it for God because it was blood money. But yet they were the ones that paid the blood money to get Judas to betray Jesus. They seem to completely ignore that part. And they're so worried about the law or the rules or the, or that tainted money that they go and they buy this field. But they don't recognize the fact that the whole reason it was blood money in the first place was because of that. It's, it's ridiculous. And so the Old Testament did not necessarily prohibit the use of blood money or anything like that, but they are likely seeing that as unclean money. And they also likely would have seen as buying that potter's field for strangers as a way to deal with unclean people. Because you have to think, again, it's Passover time. What was happening? Lots of people were coming from all over the place, including Gentiles. They were coming to Jerusalem And sometimes even people came in their old age because they wanted to die there. And so if people died without money, then somebody would need to pay for the burial. And so those strangers often became the responsibility of these religious leaders. And so they would bury them in this something like the potter's field, where they likely would have seen this as a charitable act, a pious act, even though they themselves are using the blood money that they paid for Jesus. And then we go on to see the attitude and the actions of Pilate. And there's a lot going on there. And, you know, you don't need a ton of explanation to understand what was going on. Pilate is kind of a prisoner to the public's opinion. And he probably didn't expect what happened to happen. He probably expected that Barabbas would be the one that they would want to see crucified. But instead, what happens is there's this role reversal where they are now demanding that Jesus be crucified. And what was the most likely scenario was the people that were there, because remember, this is early in the morning, the crowd that was there at that time were likely not the people that had been following Jesus or that Jesus had been teaching because he would arrive there from Bethany each day. So it would have been later in the day. And so most of the supporters of Jesus that were following Jesus and especially even some of the Galileans that had traveled to Jerusalem, they would not even have been there at that time. So the people that were calling for this execution of Jesus likely didn't even know who he was. And for the ones that did know who he was, Barabbas had a certain appeal to him because of the kind of criminal that he was. He kind of appealed to that more militant 
type expectation or the response because they, again, they wanted to fight the Roman oppression. And Jesus was a peacemaker. Jesus was a healer. Jesus was a teacher and a rabbi. He didn't come with that divisive spirit, that militant spirit that they were expecting in a military kind of leader. And so part of that, even with a religious leadership, they probably thought that Jesus was a greater political threat than Barabbas was because Barabbas he really didn't have the following that Jesus of Nazareth, Jesus the Christ did. And then once they assigned the responsibility for a crime to a person, then the another person that was there for the same time or the same issue, they would have been considered free. And then what happened next, it was just so hard to read. A person, before they would head for a crucifixion, they would be stripped for a gorging. And essentially, they would be tied to a post and the person would be beaten with a leather whip that had metal knotted into the strips of leather that were coming off of that leather whip. And they would be whipped until they were completely bloodied. It would be their back, mostly their back they would get, and it would leave just strips of flesh hanging, just wounds, open wounds. Sometimes they would do it even down to the bone. And by doing this, it kind of weakened the victim's mental faculties, their emotional faculties, their spiritual faculties, and their body. So it would take less time for them to die once they got them up on the cross. Death on a cross was the most shameful and painful form of execution known in all of antiquity. And they would have been stripped naked, which was especially shameful for Palestinian Jews. And they would have been condemned to hang within full view of the crowds as a criminal. And sometimes the victim would be tied to the cross with ropes. In other cases, like in the case of Jesus, they would be nailed to the cross. And think about this. He had open hanging flesh wounds that he would not be able to just push away the bugs that were coming to eat his open flesh. And or wipe the sweat off his brow or or anything to to even just comfort himself. That would not have been possible because his hands and his feet were nailed to the cross. And then the weight of somebody hanging on a cross in that position would eventually keep them from breathing. So most of the time they did not die from dehydration, but they died from either blood loss or suffocation. And so there was a little bit of a foot stand on the cross that would allow for a little bit of support, but eventually their strength would give out and they would just drop. And as they dropped, they would suffocate as the blood would pool into their lungs. Now, there is a lot of a lot more to say about crucifixion, and I'm not going to get into all of that today. Perhaps maybe for Easter, we'll talk about it a little bit more if there's enough interest. But I'm giving you enough for you to realize that he really, really did suffer innocently for you and for me. And then we see Simon of Cyrene. And Cyrene was a large city in North Africa, and he had probably come in to Jerusalem for the Passover. And the Roman soldiers at that time could make anybody to do anything that they wanted for any reason. So they took Simon and they said, you're going to carry this beam for him. Because typically the person that was being crucified, they would have to carry their own beam. But Jesus just couldn't. He was so severely wounded from the scourging that he just could not carry on. So they made Simon carry it for him. And then when they get to this place, Golgotha, which is called the the place of the skull, it was an ancient rock quarry. And when they got to this place, the women were there. 
And the women of Jerusalem typically would prepare a pain-killing potion that was wine mixed with medicine, and that would be given to the criminals or to the people that were getting executed to drink. And Jesus refused that because he committed to the agony and the suffering on the cross. He refuses the painkillers. And then, of course, the Romans completely stripped him. And as he's getting ready to be executed, the clothes that he has are even stripped of him. And that was part of Roman law. They gave the permission for the execution squad to take any of the possessions of the person that they still had on them. They could just take it. And so that's the scene that we're closing with today. We're going to pick up the rest of the scene tomorrow. So given that insight, I'm going to go back and I'm going to reread starting chapter 27 at verse 1. Now when morning came, all the chief priests and the elders of the people conferred together against Jesus to put him to death. And they bound him and led him away and handed him over to Pilate the governor. Then when Judas, who had betrayed him, saw that he had been condemned, he felt remorse and returned the thirty pieces of silver to the chief priests and the elders, saying, I have sinned by betraying innocent blood. But they said, What is that to us? You shall see to it yourself. And he threw the pieces of silver into the temple sanctuary and left. And he went away, and he hanged himself. The chief priests took the pieces of silver and said, It is not lawful to put them in the temple treasury, since it is money paid for blood. And they conferred together, and with the money bought the potter's field as a burial place for strangers. For this reason, that field has been called the field of blood to this day. Then that which was spoken through Jeremiah the prophet was fulfilled. And they took the thirty pieces of silver, the price of the one whose price had been set by the sons of Israel, and they gave them for the potter's field, just as the Lord directed me. Now Jesus stood before the governor, and the governor questioned him, saying, So you are the king of the Jews? And Jesus said to him, It is as you say. And while he was being accused by the chief priests and the elders, he did not offer any answer. Then Pilate said to him, Do you not hear how many things they are testifying against you? And still he did not answer him in regard to even a single charge. So the governor was greatly amazed. Now at the Passover feast, the governor was accustomed to the release for the people, any one prisoner whom they wanted. And at that time, they were holding a notorious prisoner called Barabbas. So when the people gathered together, Pilate said to them, Whom do you want me to release for you, Barabbas or Jesus who is called Christ? For they knew that it was because of envy that they had handed him over. And while he was sitting on the judgment seat, his wife sent him a message saying, See that you have nothing to do with that righteous man, for last night I suffered greatly in a dream because of him. But the chief priests and the elders persuaded the crowds to ask for Barabbas and to put Jesus to death. And the governor said to them, Which of the two do you want me to release for you? And they said, Barabbas. Pilate said to them, Then what shall I do with Jesus who is called Christ? They all said, Crucify him. But he said, Why? What evil has he done? Yet they kept shouting all the more, saying, Crucify him. Now when Pilate saw he was accomplishing nothing, but rather than a riot was starting, he took water and washed his hands in front of the crowd, saying, I am innocent of this man's blood. You yourselves shall see. And all the people replied, His blood shall be on us and all our children. Then he released Barabbas for them, but after having Jesus flogged, he handed him over to be crucified. Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the praetorium and gathered the whole Roman cohort to him, and they stripped him and put a red cloak on him. And after twisting together a crown of thorns, they put it on his head and put a reed in his right hand, and they knelt down before him and mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. And they spit on him, and they took the reed and beat him on the head. And after they had mocked him, they took the cloak off of him and put his own garments back on him and led him away to crucify him. 
As they were coming out, they found a man of Cyrene named Simon, whom they compelled to carry his cross. And when they came to a place called Golgotha, which means place of the skull, they gave him wine mixed with bile to drink, and after tasting it, he was unwilling to drink it. And when they had crucified him, they divided his garments among themselves by casting lots. And sitting down, they began to keep watch over him there. And above his head, they put up a charge against him, which read, This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. At that time, two rebels were being crucified with him, one on his right and one on his left. And those passing by were speaking abusively to him, shaking their heads and saying, You who are going to destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself. If you are the Son of God, come down from the cross. In the same way, the chief priests also, along with the scribes and the elders, were mocking him, saying, He saved others. He cannot save himself. He's the king of Israel. Let him now come down for the cross and we will believe in him. He is trusted in God. Let God rescue him now if he takes pleasure in him. For he said, I am the son of God. And the rebels who had been crucified with him were also insulting him in the same way. Let's pray. God, it's so hard to read these words and realize that it was our sin that put you on that cross. God, I pray that even now my friends would recognize that It was your innocent blood that was shed for us, our guilty blood, and that you willingly took that on to take on the punishment for us so that we could have redemption, so we could be made right with God. Lord, help us not to take this lightly, but to meditate on this as we even think through the season we are in right now. God, help us to recognize the incredible love that it took, the love you had for us, as you breathe those last breaths on the cross. Lord, we are humbled. Help us never to forget the sacrifice you made for us. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Okay, friends, we'll talk tomorrow. I want to take just a second to thank the team at Life Audio for their partnership with us on the podcast. If you go to lifeaudio.com, you will find dozens of other faith-centered podcasts in their network. They've got shows about prayer, Bible study, parenting, and more. Hey friends, if this podcast helped encourage, empower, or equip you in your walk with God, I would love it if you would head over to Apple Podcasts and leave me a review. That's the number one way you can support my show. You can also join our free Facebook community or Instagram page where I share inspirational tips, bonus content, resources, and prayer throughout the week. Hey, I want you to know I'm praying for you. Know that you are so loved. Keep going. Keep going.